0: To The Catalyst with Samantha Chris, where we explore the inner workings of embracing the unknown. From ordinary daily habits to extraordinary measures. Get ready! We're about to ignite change and inspire action. Welcome back to The Catalyst. I'm your host, Samantha Chris, and today I'm joined by the Vice President of HR Talent Solutions and Global Mobility at IBM. Horst Gallo. In his role, Horst leads a global team to ensure IBM has the right people in the right place at the right time by facilitating the successful deployment of talent around the world. He is passionate about employee experience and leveraging analytics to create business intelligence to support IBM's transformation. He has served in multiple executive roles globally, living and working for IBM in Europe, China, and the U.S., This international career has allowed Horst to gain HR experience both as a generalist and a specialist at different organizational levels, and he's here to share some of his wisdom with us today. Horst, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Well, thanks for having me.
0: So you have clearly built an impressive career for yourself, which I absolutely want to dive into soon. But before we get to where you're at present day, I'd like to wind the clock back a few years to before you were a vice president at IBM, before you were at IBM at all, you left a secure job in Germany without having your next job lined up, and you moved to London with a desire to learn English. That's a pretty courageous move. How was that experience for you?
1: Hmm. Yes, it was, um, it was a bit, bit challenging in the beginning, I have to admit. Um, of course, I was young, um, but I had never left uh, Germany um, at that time, and uh, my English level was was not great, um, so English was really the language was a barrier for me um, in the beginning. But still, I decided to to take a chance and um, and move and get out of the comfort zone because I really wanted to live um, in uh, in London and actually learn English.
0: I love that because when we talk about change, when we talk about growing as as people, as professionals, this notion of the comfort zone is almost like. A cloud over our heads where we're saying everything you want is just outside your comfort zone or everything you've dreamed of is just on the other side of comfort. Are you someone who's always been willing to push that boundary or is that something you've taught yourself to grow um, curious about?
1: Yeah so I I don't think I've always been like that and I think um, if I I step back I come from a very small town in in Bavaria which is a very conservative part in the south of, uh, of Germany. I didn't really get out a lot and, uh, um, but of course at, at one point then, I was doing my business administration and evening class, and I th- really wanted to do something differently. I, I was curious. And uh, that's when I um, was determined actually to learn English and actually to go to, to London. And um, I ended up in Portsmouth actually, which is an hour away from that. But I thought it's, it's close enough and I can actually make a um, change there. But I think it is really um, a development actually over time and not something where you s- put a switch but um, you you get into that and uh, you start learning and and developing around.
0: Do you remember being afraid or nervous at that moment, or were you excited about the opportunities?
1: No, actually, I was. Um, it was a combination of both, I think, because um, as I said before, I gave notice um, to my previous job without having a job secured, and um, I had the ticket booked. And luckily, a few weeks actually before I went, um, the. Um, the job actually turned up but yes i was nervous um, because i didn't know what to expect but at the same time i was really um, curious excited and i think of course over over time i realized actually that this is a common kind of thread, right this is this notion of um, the culture um, change where in the beginning you're excited you everything is great you're looking at things and then when you go somewhere you realize actually oh some of the things are hard oh, it's not so easy as i thought and you're getting into a low Um, and of course the important thing is actually how long you stay in that low and um, i think over time i have definitely developed a notion of um, when you get to that low to find that positive aspect to get out of that and actually embrace change as something um, empowering um, exciting and then of course actually you can really enjoy it in a very different way
0: i love that you shed light on the journey because we tend to keep ourselves small or stuck or stagnant because we're unsure of the next step, where that's going to lead us. And we kind of have a tendency to yes, feel the curiosity and then be a little too nervous to explore where it goes. And I really appreciate that you mentioned that, yeah, when you step out there, it's going to be fun. And then you may have those moments when you're like, oh my God, what did I do? This is really difficult. But leaning into that curiosity further allows you or at least allowed you in your case it seems to find opportunities and to see doors that you can go through to to really put that change in motion
1: yes that is that is indeed true
0: and that wasn't the only bold move you made over the course of 20 years you made eight moves across the uk france spain us china czech republic how did all those shifts and different cultures impact your relationship with change.
1: Yeah, so I think uh, it absolutely did, of course, um, impact it when you move from um, your home so many times. And uh, of course, at one point it also meant moving with a family, you get very used to change. And um, I would even, of course, there's a certain amount of burden, right? I won't lie, like uh, starting all over again with friendships, getting too used to a place. But um, on, on the other side, I, can, I, I say, it can always become addictive like the excitement of getting to know new places, new places, new cultures, having new experiences. And um, and now I definitely have to say, and um, my team will tell you, I get excited by change because it means something new. You're getting out of your comfort zone and you're developing, you're learning um, every day. And um, I think that's the, the journey I went through.
0: You mentioned your team, which I think is a really... A nice bridge to where I want to go next with this conversation. I mean, having so many personal experiences that have allowed you to better navigate change and, as you say, kind of become addicted to it, how does that transpire in the workplace?
1: Um, yeah, so I think the these um, life experiences, as I call them, I think have, have helped me develop um, a growth mindset. Um, you need to be adaptive or flexible but certainly resilient um, to many of the things actually which are coming. Um, you know and accept that there are challenges, but you're also able to see the opportunities. And as I said before, I mean, there's ups and downs and everything. And um, when, you, when, you, when you look at that, you embrace this new ways of, uh, of working, getting to know uh, different things. And um, I always uh, see that as an adventure now. And for me, the other important thing is actually to, to need to know what you know and what you don't know and being able, of course, to be um, vulnerable and stepping back and actually admitting, look, you're not an expert in that. For example, when I went to China, I, I'm not an expert in, in, in Chinese culture. I would always tell my team is like, look, I can help you, guide you, but um, you in the end, we need to make a decision because you are the steward of, of your culture and you know what works here. Um, very often I felt like the decisions were, were strange and it was not what I would have chosen, but it worked very well. Because, of course, um, they know the environment actually much better than, than I do.
0: That's really interesting. I can imagine that as someone who's eager to kind of really push the gas pedal, for it to be a humbling experience to consider there are just so many Facets, so so much information and especially as someone who likes to leverage analytics, there are so many kind of data points, whether that is personalities, cultures, experiences that you need to take into consideration when enacting large scale change.
1: Uh, Yes, uh, absolutely. I think um, even today, of course, um, the pace of change is is even accelerating, right? I think uh, change is the only constant in today's world and um that of course requires as well i mean the way how we how we act with that how we how we how we look at that in a very different way this is why agile design thinking and the new ways of working of course are so important today and i think also it has a huge impact on, on leadership right because leadership before was about yes you give you the vision you manage um, things in a more um, constant uh, environment now everything is changing every time and it's really about steward leadership that you try to empower people, especially in an agile world where everything is actually more bottom up. You as a leader need to, take, need to help them, need to coach them, um, take the roadblocks of, away from from their journey so they can really actually work through um, areas. And I think this is actually what is, um, what is very different today than it was maybe five or 10 years ago.
0: On that topic of change and leadership, as someone who appreciates change, how do you deal with those of your team members who are not so excited about it in the moment
1: yeah i think this is a very um, important kind of topic around it and i think um a culture of a company plays a big role into this one um now of course i'm, I'm in, in ibm for 20 years or so ibm is a technology company um which really lives and, and and falls on data data is very very important so for us of course when we start um looking at that we always need to have that um, the journey, that the data behind that to actually explain why we are doing certain things and why we are not. Other companies are not like that. They're more like intuition. It's more about the person being absolutely in the forefront of the experience. But in, 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 a, in a company like IBM, you start with data. And for me, this is also important because actually you have facts and it's more difficult actually to, to argue with facts than it is um, with um, with emotions. Of course, mm-hmm. there are emotions. And therefore, for me, it's always important, of course, look at the big picture the big picture is really important that we can come back to that and see what we are trying to achieve in in decisions what you're doing because you cannot actually um, make all of the rules for all of the decisions which are going to come in the next uh, years but at the same time of course um, in order to get people along it is about um, explaining as, as you very well know communicating but i think more importantly is to break it down into small parts and come up with achievable goals even quick wins in the beginning so that people actually see yes there is something actually coming out of it it's not just one of these things where people talk about it but there's actual things around that or actual facts around that and when you have that it builds a momentum it builds this wave of change where more and more people actually jump on the wagon and actually participate in this one there's always people of course who are great um st- self-starters with change they're going to be the first ones actually doing that Then there's people who are following it but there's a, a big population which are sitting on a fence, they're not knowing what to do, and you need to somehow motivate them. And uh, the motivation, I think, comes from from clarity, from that vision, what do you do, but also, of course, from small wins. Because when people see that these things actually are working, they see the positive aspects around it instead of actually just a theory.
0: That makes a lot of sense. And I appreciate that you mentioned communication being such an important piece of the puzzle because data is absolutely necessary. And I think it really helps to motivate the process-driven people. But those who are really people-centric, those who have their eye on the prize of very results driven, it can be um, only a piece of the puzzle that motivates them. And you say, you know, data kind of trumps emotion. And when it comes to decision-making, I, I really do agree, but emotion is still such a large part of the conversation that where communication really helps is with an open feedback loop, we can say, you know, we're making these decisions because these are the trends we're seeing. This is what the data is suggesting, you know, the direction that we go, but let's keep communication open. Let's keep the doors open to see how it's working, what it feels like and where we need to adjust.
1: I, I, I 100% agree, uh, Samantha, because um, again, um, you can drive change from the top and it's of course needed for the vision and for, for, for all of this long-term thinking but in the end of the day everybody needs to change behavior. It's their daily habits that you need to change and of course everything is emotional and you know very well that change sometimes can be very difficult because you, you get out of your comfort zone. You need to learn something, you need to do something differently and it's at in, in the beginning. We all know that when we want to learn something new. So therefore, getting over these emotions, getting them participating around this one, but also, of course, having this bottom-up approach and movement where things are changing. I think this is really important. And yes, of course, communication is absolutely key, um, including the collaboration and everything else.
0: As a senior executive at IBM, I think it's really important that you're talking about a bottom-up approach. We read a lot about it. It's in every major business review, but it's, it's not, as easily executed as it is mentioned. (laughs) And so as someone who's at the top and who's saying this is necessary, how has this been a model that you've been able to get behind and communicate with your peers at the senior executive level?
1: Yes, I think, um, again, it depends a lot on on the culture of of a company, but um, um, agile is um, um, a new way of, of working. And I think it is really important because when you drive this change from the bottom, you need to have agile teams who are empowered, who actually can make decisions, who actually um, cross-functional, and they actually can then drive uh, topics along. It's not anymore about um, a manager or, the, or a leader actually deciding where to go, but it's actually the bottom-up approach. You look at the, uh, design thinking actually in the part where you put the end user in the middle, you try to iterate on, on, on experiences, you have uh, this uh, minimal viable product where you try to develop, um, you wow the, the the people. I think all of that together helps actually companies to get to this new way of, of working because I think many companies have realized that um, the old way of um, hierarchy is not working because it's not fast enough. Change has to come um, from the bottom because people actually are seeing it much, much better. And agile is a way for me how we can actually drive that. And um, we are lucky in IBM, of course, we have embraced that very early and we see a lot of change around that. because IBM is a company of um, 106 years, I think it is now, um, old. It's very old, it's very big, and when you want to change something, you cannot change it from the top alone. You need to actually change it from the bottom around that, and that's why we have embraced the Agile, and we're doing that in HR as well, and it's not a software uh, part alone, but you can use it in all of the the areas, and it's really about mindset change. This is the most um, fundamental part.
0: I couldn't agree more. And you also mentioned changing daily habits, empowering your employees to make such decisions and to initiate these changes. How do you, as an HR leader, empower your employees to feel that their ideas ought to be heard and can be explored, you know, with the proper resources to back up why this is a worthwhile initiative.
1: Yeah, it's actually, um, um, still a very difficult kind of part because um, i think culture again plays a, a, a big role in this when you hear me talk a lot, of, lot about culture because i feel it's it's really underlining and underpinning a lot of the things not only a culture of a company but also of course a culture of um, of, of a country um, my team is um, we have a very centralized model so we have a big team in manila philippines and in in bangalore in india and of course the the, the hierarchy or sort of culture of uh, speaking up or of um, getting involved or maybe um, challenging a manager or challenging somebody around that is very very strong and it's not necessarily there because it's very Asian and when you have a culture like that you need to go the extra mile not only to communicate around that but actually to celebrate mistakes or to 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 figure out how we can actually practice more things or try more things and really then get when you have um, conference courses as an example um, you need to put out there and say look i'm not going to make the decision you make the decision because you have the information what i can do is i can ask questions i can help you think through that but in the end of the day you need to make a decision around that and i think that is actually helping um change some of the behavior but it's not easy because we always fall back of course in in the traditional way how we have done things especially when the business is uh, is, is is difficult or we have um, a pressure or a timeline around that. But I think it is being very deliberate about the things actually what you do.
0: Hmm. So we hear a lot about failing fast, failing often, failing forward, but celebrating mistakes kind of has a new ring to it. I don't hear that as much. And I really like the idea, but what does that mean for you and for your team?
1: Well, so we, um, again, we we, we have uh, started a, a big transformation in in my function where I am where we really change um, workflows processes um, we use automation and ai a lot and um, the, the the key aspect of class of course is um, people because if the people are not embracing that it makes it, it makes it very very difficult and we could just take about um, maybe small examples for example if um, we had that yesterday when you have a conference call and technology doesn't work or you're trying something new and doing a quiz on the on 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 the webex And um, it fails. It's about celebrating and saying, hey, this was a great try. We have tried something new. It was fun in a way. It didn't work. But the next time, actually, we are doing it better. Mm -hmm. I think these are the, the areas where we really need to embrace, because it's actually failing for the right reasons. So it's not failing to do the same thing over and over again, and you know it's not working. But it's about trying something new, and then actually seeing the outcome and adjusting it gets back again to agile and design thinking because you iterate, you learn from the things, what you have. And this is, I think, a, a main part of our growth mindset.
0: That's really important. I don't think we take enough time to acknowledge where there is room for improvement and really assess how we can learn from it. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, we see that with postmortems, oftentimes I, I know that I've worked for companies where they are really highly valued. We spend a ton of time feeling them out and then no one, Looks at them again. <laughs> they just kind of collect dust, and I think it's a really good thought exercise. But if we can celebrate in the moment, then it really helps to drive that point home in a different way. It's not a document. It's not yeah. a you know a long drawn out process. It is an experience that we can participate in as a team.
1: That's that's right. And I think also you talk about postmortems. I think the, the interesting thing. What I will be what we have done recently was really an interesting approach and actually to do the postmortem before. So actually to put yourself before you start a project in a situation to say, okay, it failed. The, the news out in two years' time is actually is, hey, big failure, lost a lot of money. This was happened. Put yourself into a situation, actually work backwards and saying, what can happen around that? It's a very interesting approach because it helps you think through the failures upfront. And then of course you can actually put plans in place um, to, to work around that. So i I found that a very interesting uh, um experience because you were talking about postmortems
0: absolutely so the concept of the premortem, which I think is exactly what you're talking about here and what I really like about how I learned about this model, was factoring in both intrinsic and extrinsic factors, so extrinsic being economy being technology anything. Outside of you as a person that may get in the way, but intrinsically, and this I've done this with teams in the past, it's been a really beneficial but vulnerable experience to identify what within me as a person might prohibit us from moving forward. And we start to see there are some time management issues, there are some people who have difficulty asking for help, but if we're able to flesh that out at the beginning, then we know where we can offer the support to really get us over the finish line
1: yeah that's a, that I think that's a that's a great example because again it gets back to this vulnerability right um when you have these conversations um then uh, people sometimes feel personally attacked but actually if you do that as a as a premortem, you can talk about the eventualities what can happen, and you can actually talk about it in a very different way and when you talk about the strengths and weaknesses of a team and you you, you talk about yourself maybe having challenges around that, that certainly helps you. Um, considered and actually brings the team along and you can build on the strengths of the different members and actually facilitate that discussion in a very different way so yes absolutely
0: and one of the things I loved most about doing it when I ran it with my team having been the one that was leading the team was the liberty to also bring to the surface some of the things that I was struggling with that previously I felt because I'm the leader because they're looking to me for answers I can't I can't let them know that I I don't have the full direction or I don't know exactly where we're going. And so being able to use that process to say, I'm not exactly sure where this is going, but here's where I'm going to need help or here's where I'm going to need, where I would really appreciate for you to keep me accountable because I, I recognize this as an opportunity for me to strengthen this part of whether it's my leadership or my communication or just ability to execute and it really helped to establish the trust with my team because I was no longer someone just delivering tablets from on high. I was really kind of in the weeds with mm-hmm. them and being honest and saying, I need your help just as much as you need mine.
1: That's, uh, that's, that's absolutely right, because um, I think it makes you more more, more human. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, um, you're not just somebody who's on, on a pedal but um, everybody has um, things to improve or what he he or she does not do well. And that actually gives um, a very good way of of having a conversation about that.
0: Absolutely. You mentioned that IBM is undergoing a bit of a transformation. Is there a project that you've initiated or are currently helping lead that is requiring some change management? Um,
1: Yes. Um, So like um, I stepped into a new role uh, a year ago and um, i'm not a mobility expert but now i'm uh, i'm responsible for our overall global mobility function where we move people um, across 174 countries um, for different reasons and um, one of the reasons actually i was put into the road was um, that um, we wanted to do to transform the the organization from a more delivery um, organization into being much more part of uh, strategic talent management um, in the organization and so we embarked on a, on a huge uh, transformation journey, looking really at um, everything from offering um, what we provide to um, the technology to the workflow to, um, to 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 the people aspect of course um, the engagement what we are doing and of course we are as as IBM we have a lot of um, um, areas around cognitive, so AI for us is a is a very co- uh, important component around that and the same of course is true for ro- uh, robotics, process automation, they can all help us um, focus on the right kind of activities and uh, take repetitive tasks away so that we can really focus then on the human in the middle. And for me, this um, digital transformation, what we are driving, is really about, on one side, um, automating and optimizing um, on one side, but on the other side, of course, actually freeing up time. So you, again, you can focus on a human aspect where you can really add value And it's not about sending emails but it's about having a conversation and actually looking at the fears of people when they're moving and uh, that's for us um, a big part and it's really for us it's like you we have optimized for efficiency before and now we're making a huge pivot into optimizing for experience and that's a big change in mindset and, um, and approach
0: absolutely because when employees feel valued and then when they understand that there are projects in place to help them Succeed to help them grow, to help them feel more comfortable. I can imagine that that having a huge impact on the way that they show up in the workplace.
1: Yes, um, that absolutely we see that already today. Of course, that people who are on, on uh, going on assignments or actually moving places are very. Uh, the, the retention rates are a lot higher. Um, the progression rates actually a lot higher around that. But I think you can still bring that more to um, to the forefront. Um, IBM is a very international company. Um, as I said before, we are in like 100 more than 170 countries. Um, our leadership is very international. We do business in all of these places. So therefore, of course, a lot of people actually join us because they want to have an international career. I was lucky enough um, to to have that too, but they join us with that, and we need to, of course, put the, the tools and processes in place to help with that. So internal career mobility, whether it is within a country or outside a country, uh, internationally, is really important for us. And um, as it is um, a difficult kind of topic because uh, you're leaving everything behind and you're starting fresh in a different place, there's a lot of angst around that. So if we can make that experience actually better for people, but at the same time, of course, actually focusing on the business because we do this not just only to actually develop people, but on the other side, there's um, a lot of business value what you can actually get by moving the skills, what you need, um, to the right kind of places and drive um, business value around that. So it's this combination of uh, business and, and personal experience What we really need to drive and, and get to the next level.
0: I think that's a really important point to make is a lot of companies are really focused on efficiency and really developing proficient employees. And when things are running, when they've got a model that's kind of flowing, the gears are in motion. They, they start to shift to think, okay, how can we then make the employee experience a little more a little more smooth? And I, I say this in the companies that I've worked with, the efficiency model and the experience model have almost existed separately. They haven't mm-hmm. really been hand in glove. and And that's where we start to see the systems fall apart because if one hand is not talking to the other and we're not seeing how the experience is really feeding back into business value, then we're not getting the big
1: picture. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. And I think it's also then when you look at um, experience, this is not just about um, like um, trying to look at it from a small part, but it's about end to end. Because in the end of the day, um, when, when you have an experience, you don't care who is actually responsible for that. But of course, companies have been set up in, in functions, in silos, um, and that makes it sometimes very, very difficult. So actually looking at across um, these boundaries, combining um efficiency with of course the experience with the with the the approach what you're taking you can actually have very good outcomes it doesn't mean that when you focus on experience it automatically um, costs more money but it is about looking at different things uh, in a different way
0: Mm -hmm. and so you also mentioned silos which i think is a really important one to bring to the surface here because information gets trapped because people are working on things that Others have no idea. There could be duplicate work happening. How, given the size of the company and geographical kind of... Expansion. The expansion, exactly, of of the team. How have you been able to maintain culture? And, you know, this is kind of a two-parter, not only maintain culture, but been able to prevent teams' offices in different locations from working in silos?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if um, we have um, avoided it um, as a company. I think um, we're very big and of course, uh, therefore there are silos there. But I think the realization of course is, um, especially over the last uh, 10 years or so, that um, with um, the transformation, what is happening, the speed of change, um, this is not, you can't try to do a lot of things actually with communication only, because you still end up in in that. This is why we we changed really to this Agile culture, where when you look at an Agile team, a squad, um, you look at bringing the best people for the challenge, to the table and they can be cross team So if I look at, for example, what we're doing in HR, we have people from IT, we have people from procurement, we have people from different HR functions together in a squad who are working on a, on a problem together. And they of course actually uh, bring to the to the table the network, the information, um, the approaches what they're taking. And of course the outcomes are a lot better um, from an experience point of view. But also, of course, um, they have a lot more insights in actually what can go wrong. So the likelihood actually that it's more successful is is much, much higher.
0: Interesting. And what's been the biggest challenge for you throughout this entire process so far?
1: Of the the project, what we are taking at the moment, it's really um, this We're transforming a lot of things at the same time, like I was saying, workflow, process, technology, people. And um, when you do all of these things actually at the same time, it can be overwhelming. And um, for us it's really about figuring out how you take this big um, transformation animal and actually cut it into smaller pieces and uh, show what the impact of course on these different parts is for the bigger goal and actually what the, how the work of the individuals relate um, to that one project and therefore of course actually to the, to the bigger piece. So having that translation um, is one part. And I think for me, the other thing is, of course, I'm somebody who, who would like to change everything today. And uh, <laughs> stepping back and realizing actually you can't, you need to take small steps, you need to be going in a speed that everybody actually can follow, um, is for me one of the um, the biggest challenges.
0: You know, going back to our conversation earlier of you just being someone who's really become quite comfortable with change and has started to look for that feeling of excitement, I can understand how that would be a challenging process for you to really say, okay, team, (laughs) catch up (laughs) because we've got things to do.
1: Yes, it is. But again, it gets back to the things what you said before. It's like, um, I know that I don't have all of the answers. I know that I'm not an expert in things. So it's about stepping back and actually realizing that being out there um, with with saying that as well, I think it, it actually allows you to be um, more in the middle of uh, of the road instead of actually just going in the fast lane and uh, and, and bringing everybody along.
0: Absolutely. And for those listening who are either in the midst of leading, possibly challenging workplace changes, what advice would you be able to give them?
1: Mm. So I I got um, an advice at one point from our former CHO uh, in IBM, and it was uh, when I was um, starting a new role, I was um, completely overwhelmed, it was uh, probably far too big for me at that time. Um, And um, I I was really working day and night without actually having a break and I felt really overwhelmed. And um, he was at that time saying like, look, this will always happen because when you have uh, change, a lot of things are there, but you need to take control of it. And what he meant by that is you need to make small decisions and just saying, look, today I'm going to go home at um, six o'clock and i'm gonna have dinner with um, my friend or my partner and but at least you feel in the control it's not like somebody or you letting things happen to you all the time you need to find ways that actually you feel you're in control And it helped it served me very well over over the years to make that small changes this happy changes around that and um, i think you feel a lot more comfortable with the things what is happening to you
0: I think that's really important and before recording this episode i had also spoken to you and you'd said that you you believe that change can be fun and enriching so how in those moments where you're making those subtle changes and when you're feeling potentially overwhelmed by the task at hand and the goal in front of you how can you incorporate fun in those potentially stressful situations
1: yeah i think it, for me it's uh, it's about finding a balance um because um change is hard a lot of work is hard but finding that that other part which actually energizes you where you can actually draw positive things uh, around that let me give you a personal example when i moved to beijing um, ibm actually went through um, a lot of transformation at that time because of um, the government's um, challenges what we had so it was going from a high double digit growth every single quarter towards a decline and um, so of course we were working day and night we were working weekends and um, at one point we just step back as a family and say, look, we can't go on like that. We need to do something in addition to that. So we started traveling. We started exploring the neighborhood, different countries, different places around that. And actually, it energized us so much that actually when we came back into the workplace, we could, I could bring that um, to the teams. Um, I could see what is uh, what is different. Um, making jokes, you're much more relaxed, um, and and you bring that to the table. And I think for me, this um, finding the balance um, of two of the things. It's really going to be important because when you're more relaxed um, then mom, then you can actually bring that to the table and to the team and you can uh, be thoughtful. You can, you can smile, you can bring that actually to the table in a very different way.
0: I think that's wonderful. And we basically come full circle in saying when we, leverage our personal experiences and pull them through into the workplace and see how what we're learning on an individual level can help benefit the team we start to think a little more outside the box a little more creatively and like you said show up a little more energized
1: yes i think it's a great summary absolutely
0: wonderful so for those who want to follow your journey who've really liked what you've had to share and really want to know the next step in ibm's evolution and your professional evolution what would be the best way to get in touch
1: with you Um, the best way is certainly LinkedIn. I'm very active on that. I'm focused on that. And I think it's a great tool.
0: Okay, Horace, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you taking the time today. And I'm sure our listeners did as well.
1: It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Friends, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Catalyst with Samantha Chris. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time. I hope you're feeling a little more equipped to lean into the unknown and take inspired action.